I think you could make a living as a ukulele player. I think you should give up. <laughs> I, sh- I think you should give up all this communication stuff. You could start a new business. Let me create your introduction for your podcast on my ukulele dot com. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, the show that helps you communicate with confidence so you can stand out from the crowd and get noticed by all the right people. If you want to be a person of influence and achieve success in business and in life, this podcast is for you. To subscribe to the show, go to thecmethod.com. Oh, hey, hi there, Rockstar. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Christina Cantors. Thank you so much for joining me. It's episode 55. I'd like to dedicate this episode to listener Marcos, who asked me, how do I get on more stages? Now, a lot of content on this podcast is dedicated to helping you become a better speaker. And maybe you have become a better speaker as a result of listening, implementing and practicing, in which case is fantastic. And you might be at a point now where you want to go out there and present, you know, present at conferences or schools, organizations and networking events. All of these are valuable opportunities for you to share your message, to get more exposure for your brand and hey, potentially make some money. But you might be thinking, Well, how do I get these speaking opportunities? How can I get known as a speaker in my industry? And here's the big one. How do I get paid to speak? So to give you some guidance, I'm very excited to have professional speaker, speech writer and author Peter Billingham on the show. I actually first interviewed Peter on my first podcast, Design Draw Speak. He was the second person I had ever interviewed. And I mean, it was over two years ago. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can listen to that episode and you can hear how nervous I was at the time. It's hilarious. But hey, you got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> so Peter has been a speechwriter and a professional speaker for many, many years. You can find him at peterbillingham.com where he helps speakers become entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs become speakers. But he's doing something else that's also really interesting. He wanted to explore what it's like to start a speaking business from scratch in a new niche. So he recently launched Death Goes Digital as a case study business in the funeral industry. In this conversation, we talked about the five steps that he's taken to start and grow his new speaking business. So if you want to build authority in your niche, get more opportunities to speak at events and get paid to speak, this episode is for you. Show notes will be at thecmethod.com slash Peter. Also, if you work at a co-work space or are interested in the concept of co-working and innovation in the workplace, stay tuned until the end. I have an event that may be of interest to you. Okay, let's get to the conversation with Peter Billingham. We start off by talking about his current work in the funeral industry, which is writing and delivering eulogies. I was curious to find out more about the art of speaking at a funeral. How is delivering a speech at a funeral different to delivering a speech, say, at a party? Okay, the the stakes are much higher, for one thing, because you only get one chance. 
You, you can't go back the week after and say, you know, I didn't do really well with that. Can I come back next week and have another go? You can't, you can't do that. It's an emotionally charged event, which is very different from like, say, um, an after dinner speech. I mean, people have usually had a few drinks and they're quite happy and whatever. Um, it really keeps you on your toes. And when you're writing, you have to really write from the audience's perspective. Uh, it's no good me thinking this is what I want to say. I've got to sit and I've got to listen and I might spend two, three, four hours with a family talking about this person because I end up doing uh, services that are very different than other people. I don't have like a template or anything like that. And then what I'm trying to do is trying to, how can I encapsulate 78 years of somebody's life in 20 minutes and make it memorable? So it's very different to speak in that environment than let's say even a Toastmasters speech. Mm. An average eulogy is 20 minutes. 15 to 20 minutes and to write something um, meaningful really starts to build your speech writing skills. Um, I'm getting better at it now, getting quicker at it. And how um, else How else has it, in terms of actually delivering the speech, how has that helped you now in, in the other, in your general uh, public speaking skills? Empathy, being right. able to strongly identify with an audience, find out what an audience not what you're not trying to sort of find out what an audience wants to hear. That's the wrong way of saying it. Finding out what's really important to that audience and being able to communicate a message. You've still got to communicate a message, but you've got to be able to do it. Not with just, well, this is the message I want to deliver and you're going to hear it, but really trying to understand what's this, what's this person's life? You know, because everybody's unique. How can I make the words come together in such a way that it really helps people uh, remember this person telling somebody's life story to an audience who are missing that person desperately. It, it's very challenging. I love it. I mean, it's a bit, people think it's a bit weird really, but you know, I, I find it very rewarding and I, I, I don't say it to the people that I work with, but I really appreciate the fact that it's strengthening my speaking skills, no end, because to be able to communicate empathy and be able to communicate, um, with sensitivity that's where you, you you speak to the heart of somebody and whether you know ultimately you're selling you you know a guy who's got a lawn care company is selling his ability to mow your lawn better than anybody else can do and, and that is an emotional connection um it's not just a, you know it's not well it's going to cost you hundred dollars for me to mow your lawn it's it's more than that it's like your lawn's going to look better than anybody else's lawn you know how do you communicate that well words can help you do that so yeah eulogy writing is quite an interesting quite an interesting job and is that what then prompted you to start death goes digital um no i was just looking for a niche okay so you were looking to use a case study for your speaking yeah. to grow a speaking yeah. business and you, oh okay so you went round it yeah. kind of the other way yeah yeah and it was like what do i know about mm. um, and keep i kept looking and kept looking and kept looking and thinking where's it the where's there a little angle here where's the and so what what death those digital does it sits between the funeral industry and technology and talks about how the two are interacting between the two and how culture is shaping and consumers are shaping the funeral industry because of technology. And there's so much to talk about with that. It's very niche. Mm. But for instance, in, you know, I looked at it and said, well, 
actually it happens to all of us mortality rate stands at about 100 percent at the moment and uh <laughs> you're not going to get you're not going to get out of that you're not going to get out of that at the moment and so although in england there's you know, I'm really targeting independent funeral directors. I think there's about 8,000 of them. There's enough there to last me the rest of my work in life. You know, <laughs> does, it, does it impact everybody else? No, a lot of other people are switched off. That doesn't matter. Actually, it helps because you know who you really want to talk to. If you talk in leadership, man, you could you, – it's a bit like you talking communication. You, your market's mm. huge. Who do you talk to? You know, you've got to try and think, no, there's my audience. And, yeah, I'm excluding those, but that doesn't matter because I know exactly the ones that I want to speak to. So with the actual speaking part of Death Goes Digital, because you're saying this is your case study speaking business. Yeah. So the speaking part of that, is that the eulogy no, Spe- it's speaking? not. Okay, what's the no, what's the actual the speaking, speaking part of that? Would be speaking at events, industry events, uh, funeral industry events, conferences, um, and that could be on subjects like what what I'm talking about: how digital disruption is impacting the funeral industry. So at the moment, I've got a couple of. Um, um, at conferences, I suppose, are there only small conferences where people are talking about digital legacy and um, I'm getting on the uh, speakers list for those. Um, what's, the, what's the first thing that you did with this new speaking business? Um, write a book. I wrote a book. Um, and that became my credibility factor. Okay. Because then it opens doors because you, although it's something I wrote myself and self-published it, which isn't difficult to do, took a little bit of time. It's amazing the credibility it gives you when you want to go and speak somewhere, when you walk in and say, would you like a copy of the book that I've written on this subject? So you get it physically printed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Something I've heard about books is that it has thud factor. Yeah, let me show you. (laughs) Peter's getting his book. And he's yeah, going to slam it down. Look. He's about to. Yeah, oh, wow. There it is. Like Death goes digital. Can I hear how it thuds? That's a great thud. <laughs> I would hire you, Peter, it's, with that it's kind a good, of thud. Good thud. But it, it just has credibility. So, first step write a book, which is not that easy for most okay, of us. Okay, let's talk, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about that a bit because that sounds, for a lot of people, a really big deal. And actually, it, it's, it's self discipline. You know, all of us have a story to tell. It doesn't matter what business we're in, what kind of organization we're working for. If we're asked to talk, and if you're a speaker, man, you should be able to just speak. If you think you're going to make a living from speaking, if you can't just speak, you're not going to make it. That's the simple answer. So what do you do? I started thinking about what could I write about that's different? And I actually used a program called Scrivener. Scrivener. And I don't okay. know whether, you, yeah, whether you've come across Scrivener. Scrivener is a piece of software that's brilliant for writing on. It's about 40 US dollars, 35, 40 US dollars. And it is a beautiful piece of software, very simple, of which to write on. Rather than having, a, you know, a Word document or something where you're having pages and pages long document and trying to sort it out and collated scrivener gives you the possibility to write and then to reorganize your ideas very simply and i found that tremendously helpful so what i use is dragon dictate and dragon dictate is a very good bit of software now it's not expensive you stick a microphone on and you speak and out of the box 
rocks, it is almost 98% perfect of your speech. As they say, don't they? 67% of all percentages are made up on the spot. Well, that's probably <laughs> the same. <laughs> it's probably the same with Dragon. But to be honest, you can take it out of the box, you can plug it in, and it, it learns your voice, it learns and, and you train it. But re really, the latest product is excellent. So I would literally sit at, Scriv at, at with Scrivener with the headset on, and I would think about this particular book, Death Goes Digital, is two book, two halves. What's happening in the industry? How could a funeral director use LinkedIn? And I, to start off with, I would just think, well, what could I write about with LinkedIn? Well, it ended up with seven things about LinkedIn. It's seven longer blog posts is all it is. Mm. Um, and then you write, you, you sit and speak. And, you know, it may be a huge percent of it is rubbish. It doesn't matter because you come back and you you edit it. And then you do that a few times. And it, it's a much simpler way of trying to write a book. It took me six months. But to be honest, I probably... Uh, with everything else that was going on, if I looked at how much time it really took me, it wasn't that long. It wasn't that long. So I wrote, I wrote the book. I went back and edited it, and um, and then I published it through Create Space. Um, I had somebody to format it for me for the, and even with Scrivener, you can output the document in a final format for. Um, uh, ebooks and whatever but i particularly wanted it formatted in a certain way so i found a great um a va who formatted it for me and to to publish it as a print version through create space is very simple very very simple the only recommendation i would make to anybody is to pay for a really good book cover design mm. it makes a huge difference um I, I've published a book in the past before, and uh, what makes the difference is the cover. People buy a book. I mean, I do, uh, but people buy books by how they look. And obviously, oh, for of instance, course we all judge books by their covers. Yeah, cover, <laughs> yeah. Let, let, let alone people, but we do it with books as well. And it makes such a difference. I um, use 99 Designs. First time I'd used 99 Designs, and I was very impressed with the service of 99 Designs. Do you write the book to make money on this? The answer to that is no. I don't think this is going to be on Oprah Winfrey's choice of books to borrow. I don't think you might see this book on the New York Times bestseller list. The reason isn't to try and make some money from this. I, I, I might cover the costs of it, and if I do that, great. If I make a bit more than that, fine. But this, as a speaker, you need to have something that sort of backs up Otherwise, what you know, on what what is your authority based on? You know, and, and um, a book does give you credibility. So that was the first step for me. And I know that probably uh, somebody listening to this goes, "Well, I could never do that." Yes, you can do. If you can speak, if you can, uh, um, you can write twenty blog posts. You can. Your book doesn't have to be five hundred pages long. No. It doesn't need. Be that. In you fact, know, you could uh, start a blog, right, and then write a bunch of blog posts and then put them all together. I've actually gone and had – I went on Fiverr and had all my podcast interviews transcribed and okay. they're sitting there and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go through them and I'm going to make them into a book but not just the, the, the pure unedited transcriptions. Like I want to edit them so it's yeah. actually a nice digestible piece of content but that's something that I could put together into a book but – I've just had it sitting there and I haven't done anything with it. So 
Thanks for giving me a kick in the bum. I'm gonna <laughs> the get art. That done. The art of that, Christina, is to not think you're going to do it all in one go. If you say, right, I'm going to do one a week, be realistic about it, or I'm going to do two a week. Three months from now or whatever, you'll have a book. If you think I'm going to sit down and write this this week, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's not. You know, six months from now, you're going to be saying, oh, one day I'm going to put, take all these transcriptions and put them in a book. It's not going to happen. But if you try to get something realistic and say, you know, I could do one a week um, and have the patience and the persistence to stick at it, then six months down the road, you can publish a book. While I was developing that, along that, then I started to develop the website. And for people who aren't necessarily technically minded or maybe not very um, creative with the way that they would look at a blog space, Squarespace is a tremendously simple platform to use to end up getting a very, very good-looking website without too much difficulty at all. Okay. Um, I'll, pop, I'll, pop a link to, I'll pop a link to deathgoesdigital.com, is it? Deathgoesdigital.com? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll pop a link Death to that goes. into the show notes so that people can go there and, and have a look. Let's move on to some of the more like hustle things that people need to do in terms of getting okay. the actual speaking gigs. Let's Okay, so let's say you've got, you've got your book or you've got a, con a, a body of work online, you've got blog posts, you've got your website set up, you've got your LinkedIn profile, you've got all, you know, all your online profiles set up and your social media set up, and now it's time to actually go and get the speaking gigs. Where okay. do you start? Okay. One thing is you need to know where the speaking gigs are. Okay. Step one has to be um, you, you, where are conferences taking place? Where are events taking place? Not only this year, but next year. You know, you have to start. Um, I'd love to be speaking next week in this environment, but the reality is it's not going to happen. It might take six months before you put the hustle in now for the events that are taking place because a good event, to be honest, will have the speakers booked six months some of them even a year mm. in, a, in advance. So ever, ever bright, event bright is what you need to look at and sort of look and see what events are coming up and do some searches around that, around your topic, um, it, whether you're willing to travel the length of the country or wherever you're, or even overseas or whatever. Do some research. And event bright obviously is a great place. Set up Google alerts for the areas that you want to talk about maybe for me funeral planning and conference um is an is, is a place and then from that you're looking for the conference organizers and then you need to directly contact them be willing to be putting yourself on a reserve list um what i'm de developing right now is my list of speeches and although I might not have written all those speeches yet, I will have really good titles and an idea of what the speech will be. So when you contact the organisers, you introduce yourself and then do you send them this list of speeches? Yeah, I'd send them a book. And, uh, <laughs> oh, that's I, right. I, send I them, forget the book. <laughs> yeah. I send them a book um, and then I say, here's some of the topics that I could speak about. And as with like blog writing or as with creative video content, where it is the headline is critical. Your title of your speech is really, really critical. Yeah, you can put a little bit of a, a paragraph or whatever about what the speech is going to be about. But if the headline of the speech doesn't grab people, then they're probably not going to be, you know, thinking about uh, booking you. Can you give me a, so, an example of a headline 
an attention-grabbing headline? Uh, well, let's do one that I did at the moment. The, how to respond digitally to the problem of funeral debt. In the UK, funeral debt is a huge issue. It's just recently been in the news quite a bit. Um, uh, and uh, in other places of the world, it's probably different. Well, I don't know, it might be the same. People on low incomes are really struggling because they can't afford to pay for a funeral. And so they're going into debt. They're getting credit card debt. They're getting these what we call payday loans. And so um, that is a hot topic right now. So I wanted to write something about that. It's a speech that would mm. be interesting to the funeral industry because they're not only obviously are the customers getting into debt, but funeral directors are going into debt because the people aren't paying their bills. Mm. So and something that's a hot a so something that's a hot topic. Hot topic. And then I noticed that you also addressed a problem as well, and and a yeah. and a solution to the problem. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, look at the conference. I, uh, there's one conference that's coming up that I pitched an idea in, and they rejected it. Um, and, I, and to be fair, on reflection, it was probably right that they rejected it. I, initially, I thought, oh well, if you don't want me, that's fine. You know, I'll go and speak to some. <laughs> I'll go and speak to somebody else if you don't want me. That's fine. I don't care. But I actually, you know, some somebody once said to them that the, the the best critics are your critics, and you need to you need to listen sometimes. And I went back and I looked at the conference, and I looked at what the aims of the conference was, and I probably really didn't do as good a job as I could have done of writing a headline for a speech that spoke better or more clearly to the themes of the conference. Uh, and they rejected it, which is fair enough, you know, I mean, you, you're going to end up, but I learned from that. So if you're looking at events, really, really study what's the conference about, who are the speakers that mm. they're already announcing that are going to be there and what are they speaking about and what could you add into that that really is relevant to the topic of the conference, not necessarily what you want to talk about, but what what is it that people want to hear. Uh, the other thing is create an event for you to speak at. Um, this is Ooh, a little like bit, okay. yeah, this is this is a bit more of an advanced thing to do. I mean, I could try to create my own conference. That's, you know, that people do that, and you know, it can work. But it's a, that's a. I'm not ready for that yet. But there are some events taking place that I can piggyback on, and one of them, again, it's 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 niche because I understand my marketplace. In the UK, in May, they have an event which is called uh, Dying Matters Week, and it's a national. Uh, event and people do all sorts of kind of local based events around this national initiative it'll be in the press and it'll be on tv so i'm going to piggyback on that i'm going to do a local event in my town just a small event and invite people to it um it won't be um maybe 12 to 20 people is all it'll be because of the size of the venue but i shall film it I shall uh, get some photographs taken and in such a way that that helps with the publicity for the future because it looks as if you've got some content that you're speaking in front of an audience. That sparks uh, interest. People get to know you and you never know with those small events. It's like you've just done your grand tour of the Philippines. You just don't know who's in the audience, do you? You just don't know who's going to see that and how it goes. And so you sometimes have to hustle. And um, it's difficult, Christina, when you want to build the business between speaking for awareness and trying to get paid. 
And quite often you have people come into you, well, we'd like you to come and speak at this event. Well, how much are you paying? Oh, we can't pay you, but you'll get awareness about who you are. Well, you know, the gas company doesn't like awareness. They like money. <laughs> and and the, local the local supermarket won't exchange uh, a can of baked beans for my book, you know. It's just... <laughs> It's just, it's just not going to happen. And so it's very difficult sometimes. You have to get the balance between I want to be paid, but I want some awareness. And it, it's difficult. When you, when you have that moment where someone actually says, we'd like you to speak, what do you charge? Okay. That's a whole other dance. It right? is. What do you do then? Yeah, you know that I was having a conversation with somebody about that the other day, and they said, you know, you you need to pitch for the highest price that you think you could possibly get, and be willing to negotiate down. I'm not so sure about that. At at the stage where I am, and I'm trying to build something, it's very different from somebody who's got a big name and everybody wants to get them to come and whatever. So I've developed a price list, and I give people the price list, and then it saves the awkward conversation about how much do you charge so um i've developed like different um different levels of um speaking that i can do um and and on the basis of that people know up front what it is that they're going to be expecting is it based on the time frame that you're speaking yeah, whether it's like, you know, uh, I haven't been asked to do one yet for this particular subject. I've done it for other subjects, but some like keynote event, mm. you know, you have to think about how am I going to pitch that, the cost? How do you work out the cost of that? Well, you have to think about how long is it going to take me to write it? How long is it going to take me to rehearse it? How much is it going to cost me to get to the event? How much is it, you know, all of those things and add that in. And either I, I, I work on a daily rate. I, I know what I'm trying to do on a daily rate. And I think, okay, you know, that's going to take me three days to do, to write it, to um, draft it out a few times, to rehearse it loads of times and to go and deliver it, travel there to get there. It's going to take me three days. That's three days my day rate plus any expenses. Mm. So that could be travel. It could be a hotel expense. So when you give them the price list and they say, we can't afford that. Do you negotiate with them at all? Or do you say, okay, we'll take it or leave it. If you can't afford it, I'm not doing it. I've done both. I've done both. Uh, and also I've done a process of bartering. Um, okay. in, one, in one event that I went to, um, they paid all the expenses. And instead of paying me, they were able to provide me some marketing services, which really helped my business. Um, now for them, it didn't cost them anything but time because they were really good at developing what they did. If I'd have paid for their services to do what they did for me, it would have cost me quite a bit of money. Um, and I couldn't do the work that they were doing for me. So that worked really well. And I was, and I'm quite open to that at this moment in time. What I'm um, trying to do with this new business is, is like, I, I've got to have other sources of income. If if people are saying you want to go into speaking and you want to make a living out of it, to try to go from day one for it to be generating all the income that you want, it's not going to happen. And I'm looking at a sort of probably 12 to 18 month time span before I really, really start to see that I'm getting paid quite good rates for the speaking that I'm doing. And I've got to do a lot of bit work between now and then. And for that to be a full-time 
let's say you let's say you or someone who's developing a speaking business they want to develop it into a full-time speaking business how many gigs are we talking in a year or in a month okay that would come back to how much you want to earn for me um the, the 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 process that i'm in at this moment in time in my life i am looking to work probably a little bit less time and have more freedom than necessarily be traveling all over the world and speaking i love all that and i've done that but in this particular instance in my life and with this particular business what i'm looking to do is to generate sufficient income for me to be able to spend a couple of months of the year traveling and so i've worked it back and i've worked it back and said what do i want to earn how many um what are my expenses in the business going to be so what does my net income need to be and at my daily rate how many days work in a year do i need to get now i know it's going to take me 18 months to get to that process to answer the question how many gigs you know some people who will go and speak who are at the top of the field can get paid thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds for one keynote speech yeah they only need to do two gigs a year <laughs> yeah <laughs> um with with the, with the way that i live i might get away with one um <laughs> and you know this is where the question for the person who's listening and they want to build a speaking business you've got to ask these questions i spent a lot of time thinking about this with me before i started launching this business what, what what's life about is life about me making a lot of money is it about me becoming famous well the answer to those things for me now is no it might be for somebody else and there's nothing wrong with those two things you know uh, at all um i've got a problem with either of those things but for me it isn't what it is for me there's some things that i the way i want to live life in terms of travel and spending time with people and um just the the place I'm at right now where speaking gives me the opportunity to be a bit more flexible in how I organize my work life and I'd like my my goal is to work 42 weeks a year four days a week and that is my goal that I'm working towards and then the other 10 12 weeks of year I mean if I can stretch it 10 weeks at least to try and be traveling and doing some of the other things that makes life really fun and enjoyable so answer go back to answer your question how many gigs you've got to do that calculation mm. you've got to go and say what what do I want to earn net because mm. a lot of people don't do this there what are my expenses are going to be so what's my gross earnings need to be how much is my daily rate going to be so therefore i need to get x amount of days work in a year a speaking gig like this for instance this conference i'm going to be the keynote speaker i'm going to be doing i'm not doing just a breakfast club meeting for 10 minutes or something i'm doing a proper training session that's going to take me three days if i don't charge three times my day rate for that i'm not going to achieve my earnings mm. for the for the year and a lot of people this is what i talk about helping speakers become entrepreneurs they don't they don't run it as a business they just want to speak they just want to get up on a stage oh i love speaking i love it i love it when i get on the stage i love it and the applause and yeah but actually that's the sort of like you know, if you're thinking of the iceberg, that's just the, the the very tip 
underneath all that, you've got to have a business plan. You've got to have a, you know, you need to know these figures. You need to know, like, for instance, I keep a record of how many people am I speaking to to get a gig. So eventually I know that I might have to speak to 50 people to get a gig, but at least I know that. For a lot of people, they haven't even got that, what, what I think are the basic fundamentals of business. You've got to know who your audience is, who's your customer, what the potential for the marketplace is, how much do I want to earn, and how does that break down into individual jobs? If you're building a business, you have to know those fundamental facts and figures. Otherwise, it's just a hobby. Yeah, totally. All right, Can I say so one other thing, Christina? Hmm. Is I think that you have to be realistic. I think there's a lot of stuff on the web that says, oh, you can become an overnight success, you know, in no time at all, you can have 50,000 subscribers and you can be sitting on a beach in Thailand and you can run your business this way, you know. Yes, does that happen? Yes, of course it does do. But I think you have to be realistic and I think you, with me, I'm looking at saying I need to probably be hustling this for 18 months before I start to really see some you know, um, financial benefit, good financial benefit from what I'm doing. And mm. I think if people aren't willing to say, you know, I'm in this for uh, consistently and persistently, I'm going to work at this, then don't even start. Don't even start. If you think you're going to get this up and running in three months, good luck to you. You might just you might just click. The reality is it don't work like that. The most people that have been overnight successes, it's taken them 10 years. And that's just the reality and you can't kid yourself about it mm. any other way. And that's the same with any business really. Mm. You often don't see all the hard slog that goes into it. And when you're building a speaking business as well, it's so heavily based on relationships, just like you were saying, relationships with the event organizers and the people who are, you know, who have who make all the final decisions. And they don't they're not just gonna trust you immediately. You need to take that time. And sometimes it takes years to build up enough trust with someone. For them to eventually hire you yeah that's so true so now we've got us we've got our speaking gig we can negotiate pay we've, we've been paid for a couple of gigs that's awesome are there any steps after that what do you how can you best take advantage of those initial gigs to propel you even further forward is there anything in particular you would suggest i think to gain momentum I think you have to build an online platform around your speaking. Uh, I think that the kind of stuff that, you know, both of us are trying to do in terms of blogging and podcasting, maybe even probably speaking video content um, is really important because it backs up your ability to speak in public with somebody be able to look online and see what you're, mm. you know, what you're like. I think that it gets... I suppose it would depend what you want to do with your speaking business. For me, and a lot of people speak so that they can create something online which starts to provide them with, you know, the in, in phrase passive income. Mm. And it's like the speaking actually is a means to an end. The end really is I want to create some books, I want to create some products, I want to create something online that can generate income. And the speaking is a means to an end to that. For other people, it's the speaking that's the end uh, part and I think it probably has to be reversed. You have to do all the stuff, the the online stuff first to get that opportunity. Um, I don't know. It's a really good question, Christina. I think what I need to do is think about that some more because I think to maintain momentum is probably quite difficult. If you've made it and people want you as a speaker, you have to keep fresh. You know, there's yeah. some really good speakers 
around and I've heard them speak and they end up saying the same thing. And it's like, oh, no. And with the web, you know, I, I went to a conference recently, a new media conference, and everybody is periscoping the, the, the keynote speeches. Well, if you if, if people are doing that, if you can't create new content all the time, people will be going, well, I don't need to go and listen to this guy because I can go online. I can. I can hear yeah, his speech or her yeah. speech. Mm. I think to keep momentum, you're going to need to keep producing something new. That old chestnut, hard work, hey? You just hey, keep, it's never going to go away. It's never going to go away. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Peter, for being a guest on the show. For the second, well, the first time on this show, but the second time that we've spoken. I've, I've learned a lot from you in this chat, and you've definitely given me more, more drive to go out there and, and hustle more. Because I have been, I have been getting speaking gigs, but I haven't been hustling as much as I should be. All the best with building your business, Pete, and I look forward to following your journey and seeing how All it right. goes. And you too, Christina. I have to congratulate you on the content that you're sending out with your podcast. I think the email that you send out advertising your podcast is really good. It's really intriguing. It makes you want to click the video, or and I think you could make a living as a ukulele player. I think you should give up. <laughs> I, sh I think you should give up all this communication stuff and I think you ought to make a living as a full-time ukulele player. <laughs> you can start a new business. Let me create your introduction for your podcast on myukulele.com. There you go. <laughs> Thanks again to Peter Billingham. Just to recap those steps that we went through, step one, find your niche. Step two, write a book. Step three, create a website. Step four, find events to speak at or create your own events. And then step five, establish your pricing and what you want to charge. I will definitely be implementing some of those things that we talked about, especially the writing a book thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that a really good go because Peter really, really emphasized the importance of that. If you want links to everything we talked about, including his book, Death Goes Digital, that new website that he's launched, and also and also his website, peterbillingham.com, where he has lots and lots of resources for, for speaking, I'll link all of that up in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash Peter. Now, speaking of speaking, I'll be speaking at an online conference this Friday. Online conference, you might be wondering. Yes, it's all video streamed, so it doesn't matter where you are in the world. All you need is a computer and an internet connection. And the conference is all about co-working. It's called the People at Work Summit, and you can find it at peopleatworksummit.com. You may be aware that I'm very fond of my co-work space, Hub Melbourne, and I'm very excited to be sharing my co-work experience my co-working experience and what I've learned about how and where I work for optimum productivity. So if you're interested in co-working, the future of work and building communities in the workplace, go to peopleatworksummit.com for more information. It's happening on the 21st of April, so it's this Friday. Tickets are $99 and if you want to sign up, use the code THECMETHOD to get $10 off. I'll also put links to everything to the, to the conference in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash Peter. Okay, and that wraps up episode 55. Thanks so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, the ukulele song bits that you've been hearing throughout this episode is Time is Running Out by British band Muse, one of my favorite bands. 
So if you want to start your speaking business or write that book, remember that life is short. So start it now. Time's running out. (laughs) I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and I will see you next week for another episode. Keep on being awesome. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. Time is running out by British band Muse. I think I'm drowning.